We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, coming at you with another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Very excited because you guys know my favorite special unexpected pastime <laughs> is when <laughs> I get to talk to he's as good an arm out of the bullpen as there is really. Ooh, wow. I, what, what, what do you want to say? I don't no, know. That was good. That was like you do a baseball reference. That was uh, you, you know, my heart, John Macri. Thank you for that. Well, is it a compliment to say that you are late career Al Leiter? No, no, I don't need a hundred and I'm much more efficient. I don't need 150 pitches to get through five innings. I was about to say, I, I will always remember a game where he was at 100 pitches in the fourth inning, but he because he did some middle relief there for a while, right? I don't think so. Well, I mean, you're asking me to remember the latter stages of Al Leiter's career. The very um, latter stages. So I want to say he went to the Yankees for his last stop. Yes. And I want if he did do middle relief, it wasn't for long. So I don't, I don't know if that's the, the guy I want to be. How about this? Um, which, let's just go e- with Eckersley. See, I was going to say, let's just go with a good reliever out of the bullpen. You know, you're Eck. I'll, I'll be I'll be Dennis Eckersley. Sounds good. For those of you who don't know who Dennis Eckersley is, I'm not going to tell you to Google it. Just trust us. He was a good reliever. Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley. Eck is one of those like transcended sports names, though. Like even I if hope. You're, I hope. I, I, look, I know who he is. So that's that's true. Something. That's true. Although, Although I was once a baseball fan. That's so. the thing. There's like a cutoff where you did <laughs> yeah. follow baseball. So if I threw like a Clay Holmes at you. I was about to say you could name. Any forget about middle reliever. You could name literally, I think, any reliever in the sport right now, and I'm not sure that I know 
who they are. Literally just said Clay Holmes. So don't know who that is. Yankees closer Clay Holmes. That's great. Yeah. Yes, you're really good. I'm, I'm sure, good, awesome for Yankee fans. Yes. Um, I should probably say uh, Andrew Claudio, your name. Um, and also why why you are coming in out of the bullpen. So a little behind the scenes. We are recording this at um, 3.36, the time says, on Friday afternoon. And that is because, uh, well, a couple of things. One, you have a wedding to go to. Later My cousin's wedding. Yes. Shout yes. out Ryan, who I mentioned out. on the last pod. There you go. Um, and uh, also because, uh, well, we were planning to do a cap or no cap with Jeremy for this episode on um, a particular individual who uh, currently plays in Dallas and whose dad uh, now works for the New York Knicks. But Jeremy, for anybody who uh, heard uh, cream from Wednesday night, um, you'll recall that Jeremy was getting a little sick. His sickness has uh, unfortunately worsened. He, he, he tried to, to muster up. He really, it was, he was going to give a go of it. And then he woke up this morning and he's like, Nope, not happening. So credit to Jeremy for like, the text we got yesterday, yes. of like, screw it. I'll, it was aggressive. We'll, we'll do it live because <laughs> it was when the news of the Knicks hiring Rick Brunson then gave him like the, you know what? This is actually perfect timing because now Jalen Brunson is everybody's mind. And unfortunately, it's probably going to take a week. And look, because we're recording this on Friday, when you're hearing this on Monday, Jeremy might be fine. But yeah, he might. this is also like he was going on vacation this week. So like schedules were supposed to make it so that way we were recording ahead of time. But as we as we said the last time, John, the people demand content. So we will not leave you episode list here on this Monday. But the in two but the, days. But, yes. but the benefit of this portion of the season is that you, you like we're not yet at like if this was hold on. Let me get my bearings together here. If this was two weeks from now right now. So let's look at the old the old calendar. So two weeks from right now, right now will be June 17th. At that point, we will be under a week from the NBA draft. I would right. not feel comfortable going at this in this manner in two weeks, maybe even next week. But I feel like we're still in enough of a fallow period where, you know, the finals are happening like the season is not over one. So once that's really the, the line of demarcation, once the season ends, you know, whether it's with the the Warriors or the, the Celtics holding up a trophy, like then you got to be on the lookout. But like for right now, it's like we got the Rick Brunson news. That's enough to dig into. And, and then maybe some draft stuff. Um, speaking of which, I thought of you. You're going to appreciate this. OK, your your uh, your Kings. I, I really should get their names. We should get their names. The Kings radio hosts that we mentioned okay. <laughs> with Brendan Nunez. The, um, uh, at the end of last week who were like, yeah, sure. Fox for Randall that you, you liked to reference this, uh, this last season. And that I made fun of you for, they went back on their, on their soapbox. And they said, one of the hosts, I saw this on Twitter. I, I really should get this person's name. It's the only radio station in Sacramento. I'm sure. Um, and was like, the Kings are not trading the fourth pick unless it is for a massive, massive, massive blow them out of the water package. Okay. And if they don't trade it, they're going to take the best player available. I saw that on Twitter a little earlier today. Oh, well, there you go. That, that, that player that they were talking about must be Julius Randle after how glowingly they talked about him at the, at the trade deadline. Look, it, the spirit of the reference I keep making to that 
I'm never going to let you. Well, like it has a lot to do with bubbles. It, it, here in New York, we yes. view the Knicks roster a certain way. Deuce McBride is untouchable to some people. He is a G League throw-in to, to outside of New York. You know, like, yeah. I, really, Deuce McBride is where you're drawing the line? Okay, like, enjoy watching a guy who has not progressed to the level of being a consistent NBA player in a rotation yet. Um, I think Quentin I, Grimes is probably even the better example because I think most Nick fans would like, okay, we have to part with Deuce. We have to part with Deuce. There are a lot of Nick fans. And I don't, I don't even think it's crazy because I'm kind of one of them. Like with Quentin Grimes, like no Quentin Grimes, he's the next Clay Thompson. And like, um, one, I think you being not as active on Twitter has led you to not see all the Deuce backup point guard projections that Knicks fans want. So I actually do think Deuce because of his G league, uh, exploits has earned him untouchable status, but like that, see, like this is the point though, is that yeah. outside of New York, they're looking at us being like Quentin Grimes, really, twenty seventh pick in the draft, the yeah. Deuce McBride, second 100%. round pick, G-, G League All Star, like this is who you're talking about. And if you go outside, how do they view our roster? Like the reaction to the Rick Brunson hiring yesterday. For us, it was like, oh, that that's not just smoke. Those are some embers to this fire that we're seeing. And then you go look at Mav's Twitter and they're like, this means nothing. Like, that's a Tibbs guy. Like, we're not letting you're not getting Jalen Brunson. And there's one specific Mavs fan that was like, if they want to do a sign and trade, give us RJ. That is the mentality of other fan bases outside, which is why I'm glad we've been yeah. getting people from other fan bases to give us their perspective and not our rose colored glasses at everybody on the roster. So that's the spirit in which I keep referencing that Kings radio show is that while we look at Julius as this albatross that is might end up being the worst contract the Knicks have ever signed. It's the new Allen Houston. Oh, come on. I never said that, but like, there, but my point is, there may be Knicks fans that view it as like if he's on the roster next year, it is a failure no matter what. Yeah. And outside, they might be looking at it like, oh, an all star from two years ago, the former um, most improved player, a guy that was second team all NBA a year and a half ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'd love to get him on our team for our own distressed asset, like a De'Aaron Fox or whomever it might be. My point is, it's more about perspective that I keep bringing that up than anything else. I like how you, that was good. That was a good Thank job you. by you. <laughs> well, so remember we had a jo- Jeremiah Jensen, the guy from Utah. Yeah, sure. You didn't even ask what it, what it, and this is where like, I didn't know if you should have or not, but like, um, I think it was implied because it should be like, you didn't ask him, is there a Donovan Mitchell trade to be had without no. including RJ? I wasn't going to even because go Because of course there is. Of, yeah. of course there isn't. Of course there isn't. You're not getting Donovan Mitchell right now. Unless RJ Garrett is headlining the trade package. And it's why when Knicks fans go like, we want to pair RJ with Donovan Mitchell. I'm not sure. It's like, well, then you guess you don't want Donovan Mitchell yet. Like at least not right now with three more years of control. So I'm happy you went down this road. We'll get back to the Brunson thing in a second, because I want your take on it. And I want to give my take on it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, This to me is this conversation we're having about the cost of doing business. I believe with all due respect to Kings radio, Mm -hmm. I believe this is going to come up. Um, I don't know if it'll come out publicly, 
but I believe it is going to come up if it has not come up already in terms of moving up to the fourth pick. And, you know, I wrote it about it a little bit at the end of the week. I pitched a, a three team trade in which it's the Blazers and the Kings and the Knicks and the Kings only moved down from four to seven and the Blazers only moved down from seven to 11. And it kind of hinges on the Blazers, like wanting Julius Randle, which I, you know, you're you listener, your guess is as good as, uh, as any of ours, um, you know, but it's, it's a basically I'm, I have the Knicks giving up this year's pick. Okay. A future first round pick. The Knicks Dallas pick or the oh Knicks and the Dallas pick. Both okay. picks, so, both and lightly protected future Knicks pick that will probably like. I think it could come down to like what the protections are next year. Do the Kings want it to convey next year? Would they want it to convey you know further out into the distance? How would the Knicks view that? All those sorts of things. But a, a future first, like you're giving up a future first, and of course Julius Randle. And I wrote, I'm like I, honestly. I don't even know if that would get it done. My my point, though, in writing it, and I think my my take on this draft as I'm learning more and more about it and getting a little bit more into like Ivy and the possibility of of getting this guy and what he could be. There's a real opportunity here. They're going to be able, I believe, I think they are going to have an opportunity to trade up. The cost might be a lot. But the way I'm starting to view it, and I want your your take on this, is sometimes you get a guy at the top of the draft who doesn't matter what you offer. Like when Derrick Rose was the number one pick in the like, didn't matter what anybody was offering. The Bulls weren't trading that pick. The Wizards, or maybe the Bullets at the time, I forget, weren't trading the John Wall pick. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the Grizzlies were not going to trade the John Morant pick. Like there were a few other sorts of these guys. That it was just like they were going to like there was no realist, maybe no trade period, but certainly no realistic trade. I think this is a unique situation in that this listen again, Kings radio could say whatever they want. This pick is going to be on the table. How what's the cost going to be? We'll see. I think this is going to be the 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 defining moment. Of the Leon Rose. Era tenure, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to say. Wow. Um, so it's funny. The biggest takeaway that I had from our conversation with Brennan was like four is absolutely getting moved, you know, like that's, that, what, he that, that's yeah. what he thinks. Like he wasn't really impressed with any of our offers and like Julius Randall, but I, I wonder if, you know, the, the news out of Portland makes it curious that they, are looking to get they're on Dame Billard's timeline. So they're not looking to get a rookie and hope he turns into a guy that can play next to Dame. Maybe a Julius Randle makes more sense. And then you've hinted at this for a while that the three team deal in which Portland at the end of the day leaves with Julius Randle. Um, the Kings leave with seven and the Knicks leave with four yep. and then everything that fills in like the salaries and there's, other way to, pick and there's ways to do yeah. the salary stuff that makes it like the Knicks would take on Eric Bledsoe, for instance, which is key because I said just pro tip to anyone on Twitter. You don't have to take my advice, but just a word of a word of uh, gentle reminder. The Kings are excited, rather the Blazers are not going to operate as an under the cap team. I'm seeing a lot of fake trades being tossed around where it's like, oh, we just you know trade them into the Blazers cap. So yes, the, the Blazers can operate as a team. Uh, God, 
you know, 40 or $50 million under the cap. They're not going to do that. Right. We don't need to get into exactly why, but it, they lose their a mammoth trade exception, um, lose the middle level exception. They lose retent, you know, uh, the uh, bird rights to Nurkic and some other guy, neither here nor there. The point is, I think there's a way to do it and have the Blazers keep their big trade exception, which would be enough to trade for whether it's uh, Jeremy Grant or another player making almost $20 million. So like, I think there is a world where this could really be appealing to them. If they don't think Julius Randle is a steaming pile of, you know what, which, you know, we may or may not be in talks with a Blazers guy to come on and give us his perspective on why this is where I keep talking about perspective. But I don't know what the rest of the league might think, or at least another market might think of Julius Randle from the outside looking in. Um, I know how we think, and it's why, look, I'll just go on record. If, if there's a play to get up to four here, that the Knicks don't have to give up too many of their young assets. Like I'm not, I might even part with a with, mm, I might even part with one or two that I don't personally consider untouchable. But like fourth pick, and we you guys talked about it when you did the draft cap or no cap a couple of weeks ago. It's really not common to trade into the top four from outside of the top four, and when it happens, it usually requires like some kind of massive haul. To, or some key player to be going back in that type of deal. The so like so f- let's just go back a second. Mm-hmm. The because this really all does hinge on Randall because if they cannot include Randall in this sort of trade that I have in my mind, let's just say for argument's sake, the Blazers are like yeah, go so crazy someplace else. We're yeah, all, we're all stocked up here. Um, and then they have to do the trade without Randall. Well, then you're talking about, okay, it's not enough to give 11. Forget about the 11 and the Dallas pick. That's, that's not getting anywhere. It's not enough to give 11 and a future first that with, with almost no protection. Do you know how I know that? Because how many years ago was Luca Trey young was four years ago. Yeah. Okay. So that was to move up from five to three. And by the way, the player you're getting at five in Trey Young was like, you knew what he, he was going to be something. Like, we didn't know exactly what he was going to be. You knew he was going to be something good. And that required a future first to move up two spots. Knicks are trying to move up from 11 to four. Yeah. So next year's first, let's, I don't know, top one protected, something like that. I don't even think that gets it done. So then you're talking about, okay, so is it, are we talking like Penny Hardaway, Chris Weber? Um, oh my God, I'm old. I just realized that like half of our listeners probably don't even know who I, I referenced it on a pod a couple of weeks ago. Did you? Okay. Yeah. So for, for reference, once upon a time back in 1993, when I was 10 years old, my Lord, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, the uh, Golden State Warriors really, really, really wanted Chris Weber and traded the number three pick to move up to one along with not one, not two, but three future first round picks to do it. Now it would not take that, but if you told me 11 and two future firsts, okay, maybe where, and the Dallas pick, I, I don't, cause then that is your deal. It's 11 and three firsts to get up to four. <laughs> and then With, I gotta be honest. Does that do it? Depending on the protections, I think then you're in, in range, put that thought aside for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, 
11 and RJ. Now, every Knicks oh, fan is going to hear that and they're going to throw their their headphones out onto the street. I, I'm, I'm just like, that's mm-hmm. the ask. That's the ask. And, it, and it's like, it's not a crazy ask. I actually don't think it's that crazy ask either, which is why when I was going through my head in my head of like, who are the young guys that I'd be willing to throw into a deal? So that way you're not mortgaging all of your draft capital for the next few years. And, it's and like, the, is, yeah. does, just quickly get it done. Does well, OB we're going to get, get done, I know? think we're going to, I don't think, first of all, I don't think they're going to trade RJ. And second of all, I wouldn't do that trade. Just, I want to be very clear about that. Would you Neither do that? Would trade? I. Neither would, would I. Okay. No, I don't want to trade RJ regardless of his issues. I don't want to trade RJ. Stop. Don't trade the face of the franchise. How about that? There's, there's a friendly tip. I now, 11 quickly and a future first and the Dallas pick. I don't think that, that gets it done. Um, I, to, mm. so it's quickly 11, a future first. And so it's quickly in three firsts for four. Yeah. I the, think that 11, would get it done. That Dallas, I think we'd get done. Depends on the protections on the future pick. I mean, what are you? So how much are you protecting the future pick then? So that's so again, this is where we, we could sit here and talk to we're blue in the face about this. But this is why I, I wanted to have this conversation, because like. If you're the Knicks. Do you want that? If let's just say you believe again, this is all all predicated on the on the Knicks looking at Jaden Ivey and be like, we think the playmaking is coming. And by the way, we buy the shooting. Like those those couple of off the dribble jumpers, the, the couple of step backs, the couple of pull ups, the spot up numbers. We buy all of it. We buy the work ethic. We buy the whole thing. We think he's going to be fine on defense. We're not worried about the three point five assists for 36 minutes like we, it's going to get there. Um, and you think you're getting. I, I, whatever. It, I don't want to say John Morant because John Morant averaged 10 assists a game his sophomore year in college. So that's right. it's just not fair. But like you're getting a future all NBA guy. It, like if you if you believe that, right. You also are going to invest major minutes in this guy next year, which means you're probably going to play him a lot. And whether he's point guard or not, like this is the Emmanuel quickly discussion. I don't care. He's going to handle the ball a lot for you. And you're probably going to be really bad because of that. You might be one of the two or three worst teams in the league because of that. Now that's a whole separate issue. And it's an organizational like thing. Like, do they want to go down that road? How much do they want to insulate him? Are they playing him 35 minutes a game? Are they playing him 17 minutes? Like I, I don't think they play him 17 minutes a game, but like you, you get it. Like there's different, <laughs> you give me a look. I did. You don't think Tom Thibodeau would play a rookie 17 minutes, John? I think if they traded the haul that it would take to get up to four, I would be, I would be, I'd be pretty shocked if they didn't give him major minutes. This is where you hope that the front office and the coach are in agreement that this is your starting two guard next well, year. Yes, probably. Yeah. He, you know what? He probably would be your starting two guard. And I don't know what that means for who you're starting a point guard. Like, I don't know. Maybe they still go try to trade for or, or sign Brunson, or whatever. But that's um, the thing. I'm I'm operating under the idea that trading for Jaden Ivey or Jaden Ivey's pick does not take you out of the Brunson sweepstakes. And then there's I, your starting backcourt. Next I week. I would think this would be their. Well, we'll, we'll get let's say Brunson because I want to talk about Brunson separately. OK, because I do think all this ties together. 
But like I, my point is, if you do this, I think you're going to, I think you're not going to be good next year. And do you then want to try to protect that pick such that you can still maneuver into a tank if you feel like you need to, for instance, do you make that pick like protect? I think I, this is something I pitched in the newsletter. Do you protect it for selections like one through six or one through five, but then also like, you know, uh, the Kings would want to guard against you being surprisingly good. So like the pick won't convey if it's like worse than 14 or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, do you do that? And then maybe the pick is like top one protected the next year. And then, you know, that's it. Um, I don't know. Can These I, are, can yeah. you jump in? Yeah. Didn't it doesn't the step in rule stop you from trading next year's pick. No, I thought you can't trade picks in back-to-back years. And if you're trading 11, you can't trade the 2023 Knicks pick, right? The step-in rule sees it, it, it. So they wouldn't exit. Let's say they agree on the trade tomorrow. Mm. They wouldn't execute the trade until after the draft takes place. And as long as you don't execute the trade until so after the draft. Technically the first pick. Yes. So the Knicks are technically not trading 11. They're trading the player that they got with the 11th but, pick for well, no. Jaden Ivey. Or even if you trade the rights to the eleventh, it doesn't matter. the 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 clock starts again. The, the yeah, it doesn't. So then, trigger technically, twenty twenty three could start it. All right. Oh yeah. Clar- no. Just a clarification, because I know some. I, just in case anybody else was out there, like the Knicks can't trade yeah. next year's pick. Um, I don't. I mean, the the Mavericks pick was top five protected that they traded, so it's. it's it was not, top five protected. That's a good yes, call. So it's not. It's not unprecedented for the Knicks to trade up and have it top five protected. So if you are that bad and you get into the top five, you know, you're, I, and this, 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 this all goes back to, and you, you, you hinted at it. If they're sold on Jaden Ivy and he's going to be better than any of these young stars that we, the young stars, the young players on the Knicks that think will become young stars. Why do you, why do you hate do pride? I hate all of them. I hate all of them. I hope they get all get traded. All of no. Um, if you believe in Jaden Ivy and more specifically, if they believe in Jaden Ivy, there shouldn't be a, a caveat on unless, because the difference between the NFL draft and the NBA draft is like one guy can change everything. It's different. And this, like we talked about this, I think we, this comes up a lot when we were in off season talk and people are like, you know, what will it take? Just trade 11 and another for two. Cause they'll want two first round picks. Yeah. And it's like, no, in the in the NFL draft, that works because you'd like two first round picks to yes. fill up your roster with young controllable talent. And in the NBA, it's like, we'd actually rather just have the guy at two. It's- the thunder called up tomorrow and said, We'll trade you two and 17 first round picks to one. If the magic are sold on one, they're like, no, we're good. We'll take the number one pick of the draft, especially if it's a guy like, you well, know, Jabari it depends. Chad Holmgren. I think it depends on who, like, listen, there's, there's like Shaq and Duncan and I'm trying to think who else I would put. Oh, Cade was like that last year. I don't think Cade quite, I mean, this, this is a good Patreon episode for us to do one day this during a slow summer day is like tearing the untraded like LeBron is one Mm -hmm. LeBron's one although Shaq man Shaq I think is up there too but that like that is the tier though like Anthony Shaq LeBron and Duncan part of that yeah Shaq LeBron and Duncan that's its own tier and everybody Mm -hmm. else is is somewhere below those those three for the last 30 years and then Ralph Ralph Sampson (laughs) 
was the number one pick in the draft. Ralph, dude, Ralph Sampson would definitely go in the next tier. I'll mm-hmm. say that. You know, I'm aware. I'm aware. I don't have COVID not anymore. I'm thinking clearly now. <laughs> anyway. Thank you, everybody, for letting me live that down so successfully. I appreciate um, everybody for letting you live that down. Um, no, but I mean, look, you, but you're to just play devil's advocate to what you just said. It's like if you think he's the guy, it doesn't matter. You give up whatever you need to get up. Well, what if you're wrong? Like that, uh, that is it's a risky I, take. Yes, but that's why it has to be. You know, is this a? Oh my god, this stupid movie that you like, Draft Day. Uh, ah, Dante Mac. Vante. No matter what, baby. <laughs> is that the? Is that the post? That's on, the guy on Worldwide. Dante Mac. No matter. Yes, Jaden Ivy. No matter. No matter what, what he has. I look. I don't. I, I don't know how they feel. I mean, ultimately, I think the, the one player we haven't brought up in terms of the young players and like that would actually get you like th- there are only three young players who are in this conversation. It's RJ, it's quickly and it's Obi. And Man. like, which is why I said before, you can't disassociate this trade talk from the Julius Randall conversation, because on one hand, you would love I think I really genuinely do think the Knicks would love to parlay Randall into some sort of trade here, because then at that point, it's like you're less concerned with, well, are we selling low on him or this, that? No, you're getting the fourth pick in the draft and you are utilizing Julius Randall to get you the fourth pick in the draft. Okay. If you can't do that and you basically what, and at that point you're sitting here and you're like, well, no one wants this guy. So he's going to be back. Great. That means what for Obi Toppin for mm-hmm. in year three. And then that's staring you in the face. And then you turn around and be like, well, the Kings kind of do have a hole at the four. Maybe they like Obi Toppin. I, and whoever they could get at 11. Then you're you talking know? four, 11, Obi, and a future first. Then that's an interest. And maybe the Dallas pick goes to Portland to, for something. I don't know. I can hear the Twitter reaction and the YouTube comments coming. We are not endorsing any of this. I get it. No. We are saying this is the way you have to think about how to get to four. You know? Yeah. And this if you're the, this is the cost of doing business. And if your response is Jaden Ivey isn't worth it, he can't, you know, he, he he's um he's a shooting guard who can't shoot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh that's fine. If that's your view, that's your view. But I think the reason I wanted to do this and have this conversation is because, and again, this is going to lead right into the Jalen Brunson conversation. I truly believe one, they are at a pivot point organizationally where they can lean into these kids or go un- not fully lean into these kids, whatever that may be. And like, again, I just, I can't emphasize this enough. You do not usually get a chance to trade up for a guy who can do the things physically that Jaden Ivey can do. And whether you think, well, you know what, that's fool's gold just because he could, you know, run really fast and jump really high. That's not a reason you, you mortgage so much to draft him. Okay. Again, that's your view. I just, it's a conversation I think is worth having. That's all. That's all. I agree. And while I would like, there is no future where, I don't want RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin on the roster next year. Those are my three untradeables. Um, They're the right three. If, if you're telling me that 
and look, you were never going to tell be told by Leon Rose this that like I tried to trade Julius, no one wants him. Um, if if we um, hypothesize that they tried to go and trade Julius and it didn't work, but they did pull off a trade to get to four for Ovi. I wouldn't like it, um, but I would understand like you're taking a big swing at four and thinking that Ovi that Jaden Ivy is the guy, and that maybe he brings out something better in Julius Randle. Yeah. Which I have no idea if that's even possible, but um, that is the swing that you're taking, which I will not like it, but I will understand. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. 
HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My fiance is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So to me... and. And yes, this is going to transition directly into into Brunson because to me, so then you're looking at a team with, okay, Randall's on it. Okay, RJ's still on it. Theoretically, you probably still have some of the vets on it. And then you have this kid who you've just given up a lot to get and you don't have a pick coming and you're still ostensibly trying to win games like now, like mm-hmm. when, you know, um, and yet he needs on-ball reps whether it's as the nominal point guard or not, it th- th- doesn't matter. You got, you, you traded everything to get, get the kid. You're putting the ball in the kid's hands a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? Like, what are you doing as an organization? Are you just then basically kicking the can down the road on Randall and waiting for the point where hopefully his stock increases and you could move him for, for what exactly? I like, it just opens up a whole host of questions, which is why I am going to disagree with your statement about getting Ivy and Bronson. I think this is an either or thing. It's an either or. Okay. I see them. If they're going to go in this direction and go big or go home with Ivy, I'm not, I almost think it depends on whether they can include Randall in this. That's, uh, there's a part of me that, that wonders that. Cause I just, it doesn't make as much sense. And if you can't, then is that your, is then your move to be like, all right, we're going to go, we're going to go big to try to get Brunson who by the way, and this is where we've been, we've been getting to. I don't think the hiring of Rick Brunson means that Jalen's definitely coming here. Why not? Why would it? I, maybe he's close with his dad. Maybe the timing of it is what's confusing to me that 
like make this higher after free agency if it doesn't matter. The timing of it being like we've brought your dad in now here because we know Jalen's coming, you know. I agree the timing is is curious. Yeah. Um is it a possibility that this has been in the works for a very long time and they were just merely waiting until Dallas got eliminated? So as to not cause a distraction? Why would it matter if he's not coming? I guess my point is, uh, again, to be very clear, I think him being hired increases the chances of Jalen Brunson coming. It certainly doesn't decrease the chances. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, if anything, it increases the chances. But like, you know, all those folks in Dallas Twitter who were like, he's a Tibbs guy. So what? They hired him. Like, I think there's some validity to that. He is a Tibbs guy. He's coached under Tibbs in two stops. Tibbs is only other two stops. And there were rumors about him coming. I've heard rumors myself about him coming here since, I mean, geez, for probably more than the last year. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, does it mean they're definitely going to get a meeting with him? Sure. But like, Jesus, were they not going to get a meeting? Like they were going to get like, right. Weren't they going to get a meeting? Anyway? I'm, I'm with you on the skepticism that honestly that the Knicks are ever getting anybody, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be a jaded Knicks fan, but the two most meaningful free agent acquisitions acquisitions that they've made pretty much since I've been watching the team is Amari Stoudemire and Julius Randle. And like, cause Mello was, they traded everything for him, you know, and with Amari, they had to include a fifth year that nobody was willing to, which is why it's always, but it, it's always confused me where it's like, well, he didn't run away from the spot like of New York. It's like, or he ran to the only team willing to give him five years. Um, so like the, the, the guy actually choosing to go to New York just like has not happened a lot other than other than something else has happened, like an overpay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And with Jalen Brunson, he'd be turning down what seemingly appears to be a contender that also appears to be a team willing to now spend oh. because they're a contender. Oh, they're going to, they're going to give him the money. Right. So like, if it's not going to be a bidding war, it's got to be that he's so it's, it's Kyrie wanting to go to Brooklyn over Boston. I, I want to go home so bad. I want to go to play with Leon Rose and, and my dad and all these people that have been in my life forever we have to hope that means so much because I don't think it's going to be a bidding war. I think he will get the, the a gigantic offer from Dallas and, you know, he'd have to want to turn that down. He'd want to have to turn it down playing with Luca to go play with the Knicks. So two things. One, keep in mind, not you, ever, just everybody generally, where the Jalen Brunson conversation started I'm not talking about like the beginning the, of the playoffs. Oh, what? At the beginning no, of the playoffs. I'm well, hold no. I'm talking about during the season. Oh, okay. Before the playoffs happen. And I'm, I'm not talking about the Leon connection or the, or the connection with his dad or any of that stuff. I'm talking about like when people were first like, well, how could the Knicks get him? It's like, well, what if the Knicks are just willing to throw a lot of money at a guy who the Mavs are not willing to pay because of tax concerns. That was the thing, right? There was a sentiment at the time that the Mavs were going to be willing to give him, you know, I don't know, something close to 15, right? 
in the in the in the low teens. And that if there was a team that came came after him big and offered a number that started with a two, well, obviously the Mavs, you know, in all likelihood were not going to match that. That conversation is done. Yeah. So your whatever advantage you had at that point is over. I to me, it's more about does he want to get out from under the shadow of a guy who is always going to be like Luka Doncic is going to have a, whatever, a 35 usage rate from now until the, yeah. I don't know, probably the day he retires. Um, and Jalen Brunson's only going to, and, and if I had to bet, I would bet that the Mavs are going to figure out a way to bring in another guy at some point. So like, I don't know. Does it matter to Jalen Brunson to try to make an all-star team? If it does, I, I think he should come here. Because I think the chances are higher of it here than anywhere else. Especially, well, the East has gotten better. So actually, I don't know if it's easier. Although LaMelo and Fred Van Vliet made all-star teams last year. So maybe that is, it is easier to make it in the East. Point is, I agree with you in the sense that the financial advantage you thought that you were going to have because you could just throw him the most money is gone. And I go back to, you just have to hope he really wants to go play in New York. Because maybe he's fine being a second fiddle to Luca. There, there is security in the fact that, you know, you're going to be in the playoffs every year, especially if you're going to get the financial security from, from Dallas anyway. Um, it's, it's why I think the conversation that we're, we're having is, is appropriate that these are the two swings that the Knicks can take. Yeah. Otherwise we're looking at, you know, Chris has been throwing Tyus Jones around. It's not it's just, Otherwise, we're looking at like that is is the Knicks move that they well, sign nobody, which I will spoil this. One of Jeremy's future cap or no caps was a doomsday plan of like they sign nobody. What if this is they bring back the exact same roster next year? Well, hold on. You just to be very, very clear for anybody who, who may not be as in tune with this stuff. The 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 question about who they sign is a lot less interesting than who they acquire via trade or who they draft mm-hmm. because they only have the, the they're going to have it unless they pay a price to move off of salary, which the only way they're doing that is if that's the only way they could get Jalen Brunson because like Dallas is being stubborn and they can't engage in a sign and trade, but Brunson wants to come here. Like they only have the mid-level exception to spend $10.3 million. And like, you're not, not only is there not going to be anybody really great for that amount of money, but like, what so then you also have to move off of salary to accommodate that person in a rotation where too many guys need to play as it is. It's like there really isn't a lot here to um to, to think about actually happening, which is why I do think the conversation is A, can they trade up? B, can they sign Bronson? And then there is a C in my mind, and we just talked to Caitlin Cooper about him. And I think that's Brogdon. I think I think you're really not giving enough. <laughs> If a look, I don't think you're giving enough credence to the possibility that if they strike out on those first two, they're going to look at Brogdon as like, all right, fine. You know, it's a backup plan. It's a backup plan. So, which is how Caitlin put it, by the way. Yeah, that's literally how she opened it. Um, man, I, I don't mean to repeat the last time we pivoted to plan B of us talking and saying my biggest thought is like, what is Randall still here? But the, the 180 that Julius Randall stock has taken 
and how it's changed literally everything about the course of this franchise. Adding Jalen Brunson to all NBA Julius Randle is an enticing offer. Adding him to this version of Randall that we're stuck with is not. And it's why for him, he's probably thinking the exact same thing. Like uh, if I'm going to play next to a guy that's ball dominant, he might as well be Luka Doncic, not Julius Randall. And it's what changes everything. Cause maybe he also doesn't want to go to a team that just traded Julius Randall. And the timeline is different because now he's next to a bunch of younger players that, you know, aren't expecting to contend for a while. Yeah. No, I, I wonder if the, the Ivy talk makes. Okay. So I'll ask you of the two options that we talked about, which do you, which would you like to see more than the other? Oh my God. Uh, Ivy. Ivy. Yeah. Especially if it means getting off Randall. Do either of these, how about this? Do either of these things happen without getting Randall off? Can they get to four realistically? Like obviously, yes. Trade. They could say, here's uh, RJ for the fourth pick and RJ and 11 and then I don't for the fourth pick, but that's, I don't think, I don't think that's happening. I don't realistically. Think yeah. I don't think that they're trading. I don't think that they're getting four in a deal that doesn't include Julius Randle. So I'll be very clear about that. Um, see, but here's this. Here's the thing about Brunson. Mm-hmm. He's not a great fit <laughs> with the roster. If you're bringing back Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. And that's because Jalen, and we talked about this a little bit and I'll mention it again. I won't belabor the point, but like Jalen Brunson doesn't want to shoot threes. He is not a guy that like, he's not a guy that takes off the dribble jumpers. He's not a guy that pulls up. He's a guy that will like, if you pass on the ball and he's behind the arc and they're playing 10 feet off of him, like, yeah, he'll put it up and he makes enough of those, but that's not why you're signing him. Like you're signing him to have the ball in his hands and to do what he does well with the ball, which is drive and like work the paint. And the reason he could work the paint is because he has, he's surrounded by shooting in Dallas. He's not like a really good catch and shoot player though. Wasn't he really good on catch and shoot threes? Yes. The numbers are good. The volume is low. And that's if you like, all you had to do is watch him in this year's playoffs. Like he doesn't, that's not what he wants to do. You know, I'm not saying he can't improve there. He can, he can certainly Mm -hmm. improve, but I, I don't think that's what, what what his preferred MO is. And I think if you're, if you're paying him this amount of money, you're paying him this amount of money to be one of the engines to your offense. And that means do it, doing the stuff that all, you know, all the highlights show, like getting into the paint and doing the up, you know, the fakes and the jabs and this and that, and like creating buckets in a way that doesn't look a whole lot like anybody else in the NBA when they create buckets, but by God, it, it works for him. Um, but how would it work with Randall and RJ here who are two guys that like, uh, again, RJ likes to operate in the paint. Randall, should want to operate the paint, but like, again, it, that's why the whole, the Randall of it all just like it, it, it kind of cocks up this whole conversation. It's the number one question of the off season. I, I hate to, to repeat our last conversation. It just continues to go back to, well, what happens with Julius Randall? It's why he was the number one. He was 2.0 for cap or no cap. The first player that we focused on. Um, it, it's the, the branching out point of every move or direction this franchise can go is what they're able to do with Julius Randle this off season. And it's why, look, I, I respect that there are people that 
are more patient and are willing to see if they do nothing this offseason, how that plays out. It's also why I think Leon Rose watching watching the first two years here and seeing like, oh, we couldn't even get Fred Van Vliet to come here. We couldn't even get Gordon Hayward to come here. You know, no. the I have no idea how far they got with talks with DeMar DeRozan, but like we couldn't get DeMar DeRozan to come here. Um, Maybe they didn't want him. So like as a result, if they can't get the, his godson to come here and they're like, okay, we're, we're going like, to just explore the draft instead. Cause that's the other part. They're not waiting three weeks to decide to then talk to Jalen Brunson. He was at a CAA oh, yeah. function a couple of weeks ago. They have had no, they know, a conversation. They know. they know what their chances are right now. They know what's up. So through tampering, if they're trading up to four and they're like going all in on the draft, it's because I think they've realized that free agency is just not their best path to getting better. And you know what? We're watching an NBA finals where Jordan Poole and, and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and, you know, obviously the big, the future Hall of Famers on both teams are all drafted by the teams that they're, are featuring them. And the free agent signings are Al Horford and Andrew Wiggins. And well, Wiggins was trade. Fine. The, the supporting cast are how that they um, got better through trade yeah. and, and free agency. And maybe right. that is the direction they should pursue and build around a core of RJ, Jaden Ivey. Man, if Leon pulls off... Leon, if Leon pulls off Jaden Ivey, RJ Barrett without like Jaden Ivey without trading the three guys that I mentioned. Yeah. OB quickly. And like, like if, if it just cost Julius Randle and, and picks, I, I don't think then, it's impossible. I really then, don't. Then I don't think it's I'll impossible. start carving the statue now. I really I, I, will. I would help you in that endeavor. Um, just what do you one think more happens. Well, that, that's my last. Question. What, do what do I think you, happens? What do you think happens? Honestly? Yeah. I think they wind up trading for Brogdon. Oh, so playing C. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I, I look, I, I'd love to be wrong. I'd really like to be wrong. I don't want Malcolm Brogdon on the Knicks for reasons that I think should be obvious. That said, I think they're going to look at the situation and they're going to be like, okay, Randall can't be worse. He was in a bad headspace last year. The version that we saw of him mm-hmm. was literally the worst possible version you could possibly you could ever get. He will be better. He will be in a better mental space. He will produce. Maybe he won't hit forty percent from three again, but he's not going to look like the guy who just like was despondent at times last year. And like, with, like clearly something was wrong. Um, and we don't need to get into whatever that may or may not have been, but. They'll look at Randall and say he's going to be better. They're going to look at RJ and they say RJ is going to be better. And they're like, okay, that's two guys who could have some gravity. You know, not perfect, not ideal, but they got some gravity. And if we could add a point guard who can shoot, um, give you a little off the dribble game, drive and kick, um, drive and make. Uh, you know, although can is big enough to so we could switch. Maybe like, here's one for you. How about training for Brogdon? Part of the calculation is we're going to switch more. And now let's talk about famous last words. Now we're finally going to see more of Obi and Randall together. Ah! How about that one for you? Hey, I like them apples. 
How do you so, like them apples? So you are living in a fantasy world where Obi Toppin and Randall ever play together under Look, Tom Thibodeau. I, I don't think it's likely, but would it shock me if that was part of the cut? Because like, what is Tibbs' value? Tibbs' values rim protection. Yes, he values rim protection first and foremost. But well, let me rephrase. No, he wants to keep people out of the paint. Okay, that's what he wants to do. He wants to keep people out of the paint, and if they if they if they get to the paint, let me rephrase that even again. He wants to prevent people from scoring easy baskets in the paint, whether that means you keep them out of the paint or whether that means once they get in there, there's going to be a deterrent. I don't think that's as important to him as like he believes you don't give up easy baskets. That's it. You just don't give up easy baskets. He'd rather live and die with the three, which we've seen them do, obviously, for two years now, than give up easy baskets. There are different ways to skin that cat. That's the only thing I will, will say. Yes, I think he'll. But then again. We haven't seen him on a team without Mitchell Robinson on it. This factors in here too. What if Mitchell Robinson departs? Then they'll get another center that'll play more than or or maybe they look at that as like, okay, well, now we're left with these options. We don't have the Mitch option anymore. You know, and that is honestly, I think they probably start Nerlens Noel, and I think they would probably play Randall and Obi some. I think then you know what? There's your eight minutes a game. Mitch goes, Noel stays, Sims stays, and I think you see Noel for 25 minutes a game, Sims for 15, and then Obi and Randall together for eight. I This is Groundhog's Day. We were talking about this last offseason. He's not playing Obi and Randall together. That's okay. just not happening. I, I, I know that it, it took Fred Katz being like, there's a religious thing going on here for it to finally like click, but Tom Thibodeau is not playing... And he also said it throughout the season that it's more than just like my belief in rim protection for Tibbs. It's like he doesn't want to tire Julius out because he thinks so highly of him that he's guarding other teams. Well, I think, hold on with that. I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see a difference there, too, because I think, again, my little supposition about what they, they are thinking, I think part of that calculation is that they're going to have a sit down or if they have, they probably already have had a, a sit down with Julius in which they're like, look, some, some things have to change for this to work. And, you know, I think he'll play less minutes. I think his role will be adjusted. Um, and I think you're like, if, if, if him and Obi are back, I, I, for the life of me, I cannot fathom a world where we're seeing more of like, Obi's getting in for 12 minutes. Well, that do just it. don't see it. Will that do it for you then? my prediction of last season that'll make you turn on Tibbs. I don't know if that would be a Tibbs thing as much as an, or no, no, it won't make me turn on Tibbs because that's an organizational fault. Okay. Because either, either the organization screwed up by not planning for this, or they have a coach who's not listening to them, which is a a group problem. In which case you should fire him. And I'll be the first person to say you should fire him, but that's not me turning on Tibbs. That's That's turning on. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Um, because you can't control your coach. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, so that's that's I. I, I agree. Know. My 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 most blame has fallen on the front office for not like like what like I haven't agreed with the sentiment over the last couple of days with the the trading up to four rumors that there there is a portion of Nick's Twitter that's like these dumb wins got us. Or are oh, that's such just, a chance. Like I don't I don't agree with it, but like. 
Maybe if they did pivot to the young guys sooner, we would at least that would have won more games. That's the thing; they actually were low key tanking with the the veterans playing. So you actually probably I mean that the kids didn't play. The point no. is, like there should have been a, a a plug that was pulled earlier in the year. A plug on, that was pulled. Listen, I I my biggest I'm not frustration was less about like they're losing. And it's more like, why am I watching 40 Alec Burke? Why am I watching 30 Taj Gibson? Andrew, no one's this. I'm not. But that's the point is like, this has to come up from up top because Tibbs coaches a certain way. Yeah. And if they say your job is safe, play Jericho Sims, play Emmanuel quickly, 35 minutes, play OB and Randall together then maybe he pivots and is like, all right, my job is safe. I will figure out a way to do this. And Uh, that just never happened. I'll tell you this. They will talk themselves into Brogdon, Fournier, RJ, Randall, whichever center with Rose back with quickly here. Cam or I, I don't I, I don't think Cam's coming. I really don't think Cam's coming back. I'd be actually surprised if Cam's coming back. Mm. Grimes, um, Obi, you know, Sims. Sims. I, I, am I forget anybody? Burks, no. it, Burks is gone in that scenario. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was in our life so much and we just forgot him. So I think Burks is going to be gone. Burks would have to. Yeah, Burks. I think would have to I think go. Burks is. They're gonna they're gonna figure out a home. Either eat, let me rephrase that. And and I'm stealing from Jeremy because Jeremy has said, said this, I think, explicitly in past a past podcast, if not multiple past co- podcasts, Rose or Burks. Rose or Burks. They, one of those two is not going to be back. As for everybody else, and then Cam is kind of in this like weird. Yeah, again, I at this point, I actually think I'd be surprised if Cam was back. But then again, that depends on, on what they get for. In any case, we're getting off track here. Um, I think they would talk themselves into like we could be right back at it. Like we won. How many games did they win last season? 37. 37 games last season with that version of Randall, with Kemba, you know, with Rose playing 25 games. You don't think they're going to be able to talk themselves into we're a playoff team if we tried out this lineup? Play in team, because I don't think they realistically would Fine. be able to talk themselves into the, the top six seed, you know. Um, but you wait, hold on. Can I wait? Wait a second. What? You don't think they would look at it and be like, we could be better than the Cavs? The Cavs were the didn't make the playoffs last year. So let's so we're putting I'm putting the hold on. Let me remind myself. So the the top four, the top four, five was Toronto. Yeah, five was was Toronto. You're asking, could do they think adding Malcolm Brogdon makes him better than the Chicago Bulls? Yes. Which like has all their Zach Levine stuff. They I think they will talk those into we could be better than the Bulls. By the way, depending on what you look at. They were better than the Bulls this year. I look at wins and losses. Okay. Um, I also, if you look at net rating, I mean, fine. I just think the Bulls also fall off a cliff because of injuries, which they could do again. But then you're also saying, okay, the Bulls are out. Are we better than the Cavs? Are we better than Brooklyn? Are we better? They're not than... going to be better than Brooklyn, but I think there's they could your talk sixth. To... There's okay. So maybe seven. Maybe they talk themselves. So into is the playing hosting a, su- a playing game? Is hosting a playing game a success compared, especially if you're maximizing veterans on this roster? Well, that gets into the what what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What is the point is why I think all of this comes full circle to the Julius Randall conversation, because I think we have maxed out if Julius is never going to return 
to the bubble year version of himself. I think we've maxed out the version of him on this team and what, how good we could be. And it's a four seed in one playoff win in while everybody else in the conference is figuring their shit out. And then, you know, we probably should pivot to something younger that might have a higher ceiling or again, I'm, 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 I'm just, this is my, I wish I had a hat. I should get a hat. This is a devil's advocate mm-hmm. playing devil's advocate, putting myself in the position of someone who wants to talk to himself into a different scenario. You, you go the route that I just explained. You win 43 games. You get the seven seed. You win that game. You take someone to six games in the first round. And then you trade for Donovan Mitchell next summer. You, you, you swap Brogdon and however many picks it takes. Brogdon, a young player, picks. Do you think Malcolm Brogdon added to this team makes him a seven seed? I think... I think they could talk themselves into it. If I, okay, so this is the difference between what we think would happen and what they are thinking. Again, we, okay, that's that's the difference. We, okay, we should have a recording where it's just you push the button or a, a device where you push the button and it says it all comes down to Randall. It's another mm-hmm. conversation. It all comes down to Randall. If you get a Randall, a version of Randall that is slightly closer, <laughs> like fifty-one percent towards the, what we saw two years ago, as opposed to closer to what we saw last year. Like if he is literally one tick above the median in the direction of eighth place MVP and they add Brogdon and Brogdon plays like 60 games and like Rose plays 60 games and like RJ takes. So yeah, they could be seven seed. Why not? And this is where I hope that this is where I hope that they're a little more realistic to what Julius Randle has been his whole career. And it's tough because like Julius's former agent runs a team. Um, but it's where I'd, I'd hope that they look at him and say, it's what I, I actually do hope they, they pursue all paths to get to the four pick. Then if that's, if that's the ceiling we're looking at next year, that it's 43 wins and winning a, a game against Chicago. Like, cause that's, that's, I think what it's going to take is that they're be, they're playing Chicago in the play in or they're playing, um, Cleveland, they're playing or Charlotte, Atlanta, or they're playing Atlanta. Yeah. like Detroit's going to be better. Detroit um, is going to be better. The East, I mean, I know we said it all year. Say it again for next year, even louder. East mm-hmm. is going to be good. Very good. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I just as a fan now, not the, the, what we think the front office will do. I think if, if just as a fan, I get much more excited watching a group of kids overachieve than, like this group of veterans max out as a seven seed. Cause that is actually the, the no man's land that we've been referring to. Even if it, if they think that it'll lead to Donovan Mitchell next year, you know, I, I would guess, I would guess that they already have a sense of where the Mitchell thing is headed, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, you know, I wonder how much that plays. Now, listen, to make a decision based on the whims of a, a guy who's 2,000 miles away is probably not very intelligent. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I have to think all of this stuff plays into it. At the end of the day, I'll go back to what I said before. I think they're at a pivot point. I think this is quietly, sneakily a massive, massive offseason for the team. 
and um, they could really, they could do a lot to set themselves up. They, or let me rephrase that. I think what they do this offseason will determine how the next five years are going to go one way or another. Do you think there's anything they could do this offseason that could go so wrong that this is their last offseason? You mean under Leon Rose? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. They fucking what, trade for Bro- what wakes up? What wakes up Dolan? I guess is the question. If they if they trade this because I, I I don't actually let me I don't know. I was about to say I think they'll trade eleven if they to get Brogdon. I I'm trying to think if there's a world where they would get Brogdon and not trade away eleven. I don't I don't see it. I don't, I just don't see them trading him for the, for the Dallas pick and like, you know, salary. I just, I don't see it. Cause it's not good salary, whether it's Fournier or, you know, Nerlens and Burks, it's, it's not salary Indiana wants. Mm-hmm. So what, they're going to do that for like the 27th pick in the draft. I, eh, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see it. So I think, I think it would be 11. So yeah, if Brogdon comes here and he gets hurt and like Julius comes back and he stinks uh, again and you know, it's like, Sure, they could be bad again. And they they could and again, like I'll ask this as much as I just talked to the talked about there's a world where you could talk to themselves talk yourself into them being a seven seed. What teams would you swear on your life are gonna be worse than the next next year? Maybe not swear in your life, but like Orlando Orlando. Orlando, yes. Indiana. Hey. Indiana. Yeah. Sure. Sure. That's I, fine. Orlando, Indiana. <laughs> um, in the East, just in the East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I'm looking at. Um, You're not saying Washington. I'm not, because what if Bradley Beal comes back? Not saying Charlotte. I'm not saying Charlotte. So, I mean, basically, we're, we're talking about Detroit. I'm not 100%. If, if Cade, they showed me something the last, like, 25 games. And I think they showed everybody that, oh, there's a thing here. And then yep. now you're adding a top five pick to it. Um, and you might be adding Jalen Brunson too. Don't, don't, don't do not sleep on. Part. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, that. by the way, guess where Mitchell Robinson might be. Playing yeah. <laughs> if they had Mitch and Jalen Brunson, then. Well, I don't think they're adding both, but yeah. Um, yeah. Two teams. Uh, two, so two teams. teams. Yeah. That I'd swear on my life would be, you know? Yeah. And if you want to extend it to the West, like, I don't know what the hell the thunder are they tanking again? Probably. I. It mm. seems like that's the way that's going to go. Okay. Hit, hit the button. Hit the button. All of my, all of my <laughs> estimations on how good the Knicks are going to be next year, or how good Julius Randle is, and what team he's playing for. It's that it. I, if this is going to be the theme every time we do these Plan B podcasts, John. Yeah. What happens with Julius Randle? Yeah. Last time I think I was a little more like preparing myself for if he's here or not. Now you're looking at like the other avenues that they could pursue all, all have like all, they all depend and they're all a caveat to as long as they can move off Julius Randall. Listen, um, this is this. We, we did this justice. This is why I wanted to have this conversation and why I'm, I'm, I'm upset. Jeremy's sick, but why I don't, I don't mind that we took a week to do this because all of this has been swirling around for the last month. And I think before we get into the weeds and we are about to get into the weeds because they're, the, the weeds are coming. The weeks, the weeds are two and a half weeks away. That's the draft, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll end it with this and say, 
There is, and I, again, this is me saying this, who dislikes Julius Randle, I think more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a world where we look back on what they do and I guess really what they don't do this summer, they don't trade Randall. And we look back on it and maybe the best thing they ever did. Maybe his value is at its lowest right now. And maybe he's going to come back and he's going to show like it was a one-year dip. And he's not the, maybe not the guy that he was, but he's closer to that than he was whatever he was last season. You do need that hat. The devil's advocate hat. You just devil's advocate. What if Julius Randle's good next year? I it listen, it's in play that they they, they could also um he could come back and be better than all NBA Julius. It could happen. As the kid and angels in the outfield said. I don't think it would be better. Can't be worse than that. He can't that that I believe. That I truly believe. He cannot be worse than he was last season. And honestly, there's a part of me that actually believes I don't know if he could even be as bad again because there was something wrong with I, I don't want to phrase it this way. There was something wrong with him last year. Something happened. Yeah. Some, something we'll never was, know or we won't find out until he's not on the team anymore, but probably something happened. And we've, we've, you know, we're not going to get, we, we both heard enough, you know, mm-hmm. at, you know, offline and like the, the notion that that was all about basketball as, as Fred Katz said on the spot months and months ago, if, it, if a guy's struggling this much, it ain't about basketball. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, We'll see what happens. Andrew, this was fun. I'm glad. I, I I know these these go against my credence of let's try to organize the chaos, but no. Uh sometimes was, you need it's fun to shoot the shit and be a little chaotic sometimes, I guess. Oh, you didn't answer the question. Um a, a multiple choice. Uh Knicks starting Knicks are starting next year. A Jaden Ivy, B Jalen Brunson, C Malcolm Brogdon, or D none of the above. Russell Westbrook. No, I'm playing. Um just I think kill me I know. Now. I know. <laughs> um, I'll say D none of the above and say Derek Rose is a starting point guard next year. And his fan base will lose their mind because they didn't do anything. Now, as far as like I, what I want, like that's the pessimistic Nick fan of me. As far as what I want, um, like give me Jaden Ivey, you know. Like, give me the route that they were able to get uh, Jaden Ivey for Randall. Uh, but as far as, you know, I got to be honest. The Rangers are in the midst of a pretty miraculous and and special playoff run. The Mets are like, like running away with their division and look like a pretty competent baseball team. The Jets had a pretty great NFL draft. Maybe I should be a little more optimistic about my teams now. Because good things I, are like allowed to happen. They are allowed to happen. So um, you know what, Jaden Ivy. That's what I think will happen. Jaden Ivy will be a New York Nick next year, and Julius Randle won't be. And they'll surprise people like Memphis did Jaws rookie year, and they'll win forty-one games and be the nine seed. Uh, if they are a decent team after making a trade for Ivy, I mean, then you build the statue of Tibbs. Yeah, because I, I think that guy's gonna—he's gonna struggle. Um, it, again, put the ball in his hands, which I think they, they have to. Uh, anyway, mm, RJ will take a leap too. So will quickly, and so will Obi. Why do you hate all of them? I was about to say, why? Oh, you didn't mention <laughs> you didn't. Why do you hate Cam Reddish? Why well, I do, do hate all of them, but why do you hate the other three? <laughs> Terrible. 
Um, I think that's it. Andrew, uh, you did a great Ek impersonation. I did a great, I, I filled in well in middle relief. Awesome. You, you went like five innings. I did. Yes. This was, this was like Bumgarner in the 2014 world series, a reference that if you got that, you are really a baseball fan. I'm talking about John and to the people watching I, right now. I, I will reference the only thing that comes to my mind when I think of like the most special long relief appearance of all time, which is Mariano in the 2003 ALCS. When he, I think he went, f- uh, didn't he go four? Pitch the ninth, tenth, and eleventh. Boone hits a homer in the bottom of the eleventh. Okay. Yeah. I won't challenge you on that. Uh, regardless, a closer pitching three innings is pretty nuts, especially against that Red Sox team. That closer wasn't. It was because he pitched two, not routinely, but he he pitched two a lot. But any closer, like that's the thing that clinched him LCS MVP that year was yeah. that he. Was they were not let, you know they were not taking him out of the game for I was about to say you know why relief you know you know why I thought it was four because I remember there was some story or interview or something afterwards where he was he said I was going to go back in if I needed mm-hmm. to go back in so that was what I remember because I listened to WEI that night like that was back when I was like listening to other markets this is when I realized you could find other markets on the internet um, and they were all thinking that we just had to get through one more inning of Mariano. And then the Yankees middle relief was kind of suspect because Clemens got knocked out in the third inning. So like maybe we were literally at an inning away from maybe making this happen. And then Boone tees off on Wakefield. Who, you know, who came in in relief of Clemens? Mike Messina. That's what it was. Yes. God, it was the Yankees went like right. the Yankees went with their rotation for the rest of the game after Clemens right. got knocked out. Mussina then, was the low key MVP of that game. Mm-hmm. Then David yeah. Wells pitches the eighth inning. First pitch gives up a home run to David Ortiz. It's five, two. And then the rest is history. Oh, there you go. Oh man. Okay. Baseball. <laughs> it's baseball. Susan. That quite literally is baseball. Susan. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, thanks everybody. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. I feel better, Jeremy. And one more congratulations to Ryan. You're a married man. Um, We're not going to listen. I don't I'm being optimistic here. You are a married man that at this time when this episode is driving, you're a married, <laughs> a married man. man. <laughs> yes. Um, and of course, thank you, everybody out there for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Don't forget. Uh, drop us a, a five-star rating if you dig the show. Leave a review. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. Um, subscribe. All, all of those things. And uh, we will be back with more fun and games before you know it. Peace out. Peace out.